I, my first job was at Merrill Lynch in an ultra high net worth banking group. And it was very like client centric, which I like. I like people. I'm a chatter, as we know. And I got really into like graphic design and visual communication. And I was like, I need, I'm very interested in this. I feel like I have a talent here. And so as I'd gone along in my career at various positions, it was kind of part of a team and there's already a set brand and there was a way of doing things. And that's great. And it's great to learn from your peers and your mentors and all work together towards something. But GeoWealth had this really incredible opportunity as a marketer who's very broadly based. I really taught myself graphic design. Um, it was a blank slate and it's an awesome group of people. I knew that even in the interview, but in terms of the work, it was, you know, a website, a letterhead, a business card, and a story, and it's a good story, but the story wasn't really brought to life or presented in a public way. So I was like, this is a real opportunity to shape something to my style, um, work with great people as I'm doing it, but really make, make something out of what was a little bit more raw in the beginning. In my interview process, I sat down with the CEO, Colin Falls, and COO, Jack Hanna, and the Chief Digital Officer, Chris Daly. And I was like, I don't know too much about turnkey asset management platforms. It's a little like wonky for me. I had been in hedge funds and private equity just prior. I don't know too much about ETFs. And they were like such a vibrant group of people. We had the most captivating conversation. And I was like, I got to go for this. Like, this is great work, great people only something good could come out of this. So I kind of took a leap from what was more steady, high finance role community. And it's been three years, uh, three years and one month. And I honestly could not have made a better decision for myself at the time. Yeah, that's cool. One of the I feel challenges, but also opportunities with FinTech um, is to take something like a turnkey asset management uh, platform, like which, you know, unless you're really an insider in the industry, you don't maybe even know what that is. Uh, but I feel like the opportunity is to tell a story around it that brings it to life and, and shows how, you know, what your offering is, is, is interesting to people and how it fits into their day-to-day -day life. Have you, have you found ways of kind of telling that story or maybe taking the existing story and kind of adding to that in, in this role? Yeah, your question hits on one of our main challenges. So turnkey asset management platform, TAMP, it's something that tons of advisors, our target market, are using they don't necessarily know that that's what it's called. So we have, you know, competitors of peer firms that don't necessarily all use the same tech terminology and TAMP in one shop and TAMP in another shop. It's not necessarily apples to apples. It could be apples to oranges to kiwis in some cases. And so we're operating under an umbrella term and we're compared to other groups, but really our service offering is different. So there's this aspect of defining what is a turnkey asset management platform. Some people that have it don't even know what that means. And then how do we define ourselves amongst other turnkey asset management platforms? So it's an interesting story challenge, storytelling challenge because you're defining a product category and you're defining yourself within the product category. And sometimes the best way to get the story to our prospects is through a case study. And not everybody wants to sit down and read an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with a ton of words telling them, describing to them exactly what they're feeling. And so you try to find ways to break through. And sometimes you find yourself using buzzwords or you end up you know, sounding a little bit like the guy next to you. And that, that's part of where I have a lot of fun. So 
it's pretty much open opportunity to not only say that, you know, we're modern and we're different and we're more proprietary and we're more fintech than some of our peers, it's really to like prove it and trying to find all the different channels to prove it. So it's case studies, it's videos, it's a webinar, it's a podcast, it's a website, and it's just our presence at a conference floor. Like we look different, we're a little bit of a different animal than some of the other TAMPs in the space, which is, it's a fun challenge. We, we feel like the new kid on the block, which definitely gives you more like fodder to work with. Yeah, it sounds like for a lot of your um, prospective customers, they may not saying I'm looking for the best TAMP. It, it's more of, it's a different job to be done that they have. What, what are, or maybe they're in a particular circumstance, what are those circumstances that they're in or the things that they're trying to solve for, or are they? Or do they even know that there are solutions out here and they're, are they aware of it? Or are they not aware of it? Like, what do you, what are you seeing? So most advisors know that they're frustrated with what their current operation is. They know that they're feeling tight on staffing. They know that they're weighing, you know, is there an outsourced solution to this? Do I have to hire an ent entire department in-house? And a lot of advisors aren't necessarily 100% clear that there is really a one-stop shop end-to-end -end solution for them that takes care of the investment side, the technology side, the trading side. And so oftentimes advisors might be looking for a rebalancer and looking for a CRM and looking for a billing solution. And a lot of times they end up with what we call a Frankenstein tech stack. Um, other people might call it a swivel chair advisor. So you're sitting at your desk and you've got three different monitors and you have different platforms open on all screens. The data is not flowing to each other. And they're just like, this is hard. I had to do a lot of customization. There's APIs involved. I'm learning. It's not going great. It's fine. I'm used to it. So I think it's fine. And they don't necessarily know that a geo wealth is there. That is a holistic technology and investment platform. So whatever their business structure is, whatever their scale is, whatever their staffing model is, we can plug right in, take a ton of stuff off of their plate. They don't need to do the non-value add for an investment advisor, which would be sitting doing billing. That advisor is better off talking with their clients, especially in the current market environment, and especially with COVID taking place. People are nervous and they wanna hear from their investment advisor about you know, the financial planning their aspects and understanding of what how this person's life has shifted over the last couple of years, how it will continue to shift and what they need. They shouldn't be sitting there generating PDFs and uploading Excel spreadsheets and worrying about data, um, data errors as they're doing trade requests. There's, there's so much more value an advisor can do than doing back office and middle office. So that's where we take it off their plate. And then in terms of the investment side, we'll give you an entire model of marketplace of models that you can use to staff for your, I feel like I'm bubbling my words. Um, we'll give you an entire marketplace of models that you can offer to your clients. You don't need to sit and do due dil 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 diligence on every single ETF. Um, we've done it for you and we're, we're presenting to you options that we feel conviction in. Do you, do you feel like most of these advisors, they understand that the way they're doing things is probably inefficient, probably not the best way. They've kind of cobbled it together over time. They, they're aware of that, but they assume that the switching pains, whether it's cost or time or trying to evaluate this, is it the switching that is the obstacle or is it just not knowing what the next better thing is? 
So I think phase one is knowing that there's something better. A lot of people don't know what's better. Um, they're kind of used to what they're doing. It's cobbled together. The switching is can be very intimidating. So every single investment advisor, whether or not they're currently using a TAMP or they're transitioning to a TAMP, they're going to have a unique situation where their custodied is unique, what types of holdings their clients have in their portfolios, any specific other uh, offerings that they provide like tax overlay, for example, not everybody has the same story. So GeoWealth is incredibly flexible in terms of absorbing whatever it is their situation is and getting it onto our platform and making it work in a way that's seamless for the advisor and seamless for their clients. And it takes a little bit to talk to somebody to get them to reveal what their situation is where we can diagnose and say, oh, easy, we can solve this for you. Here's a couple of steps you'll have to take, a little bit of paperwork, you're gonna be right on track in no time. A lot of people just assume that it's gonna be a massive headache. They're already feeling a little burden with their day-to-day -day operation. The thought of taking on this big project that could last 90 days to transition, um, I think is intimidating and there shouldn't be that intimidation. It's actually something that we're adept at. We have professionals that are extremely used to any case, some very you know niche cases that we've dealt with. So definitely shouldn't be a hindrance for somebody if they're, if they're on the fence. So I'm guessing you've had a chance to talk with some customers who have gone through the, discovered this as a solution, they've made the switch, now they're using it. I mean, do you get a chance to talk with the customers and hear like those, you know, probably, you know, they're excited. Hey, this is a different way of doing things. I'm seeing the benefits. Like what are, what are those probably feel good moments that you're finding from customers? Yeah. It's been exciting. So COVID, we didn't really get to have clients come into Chicago, come see our office on Michigan Avenue. And we've had a few come in the last couple of months. So it's been this exciting moment of getting folks on our home base and they are singing our praises. It's amazing how it takes only a few months for them to immediately see the value and see how they're spending their time differently. Like they're not at their laptop at 8 p.m. anymore doing these things. They're enjoying time with their family. They're interfacing with clients when they wanna be. They're no longer stressed out about some of the minutia. And so it's been pretty amazing to see how many like evangelical clients we've had at this point. And a lot of our new clients actually come in from existing clients because once they see the light and they feel the value and their staff feels the value, it's very quick that they turn around and say, you know, this was better. I didn't know better was out there and I found better. Do you think most of these advisors get into their profession because they're numbers people and they really want to be in the numbers all the time? Or is it because they're really good translators of the math to people and they can put it in human terms and they can almost be like a money therapist I to prevent think, people from making emotional decisions. Oh yeah. We're, we're all about the therapy angle. So there's definitely the, the finance minded, the number minded, and they're very interested in managing their own portfolios. They're, they've got their own full investment philosophy, a secret sauce that they might apply. And we have plenty of advisors just like that. We're able to cater to them. We give them the tools they run the show. And then the other side are, I'd say probably 50% of investment advisors get into the, the industry because they're passionate about helping people. They, they're finance minded. They know that they're doing well at it and they wanna share that gift with family, friends, and community members. And so for those folks that aren't as interested in combing through Excel spreadsheets and doing you know, NAV calculations on every single ETF and then make a recommendation for John Smith and that's one of their clients. These folks are more, I'm gonna 
let you know BlackRock, State Street, and J.P. Morgan. They've got armies of people doing research. They're putting together these ETF portfolios. I'm going to use some of those trusted sources, and I'm going to focus on what I do best, which is translating for people that maybe aren't as fluent in personal finance decisions, and acting as a therapist. So. You know, when the market's going down, clients don't want to have a spreadsheet of information about what the potential impacts could be on their portfolio. They want to have a friend, a trusted resource on the side of the phone, calling them, not necessarily the client calling the advisor and saying, it's going to be okay. We have a plan for this. This is what I think. And I'm here for you. And I'm here for your family. That is where I think a lot of people get into the space. And we serve those people just as well as we serve the people that are the wonks with the spreadsheets. So in your three years um, at GeoWealth, what are, what are some of the challenges that you identified early on that you feel like you've made good progress on, or maybe you've cleared them and they're in the past? If you reflect back on those, those three years, like what would you say you've kind of been working on, proud of, that type of thing? Yeah, I'm certainly proud of the progress we've made in the storytelling realm. And so when I joined we're all super passionate about this project. We have so much faith in our, our product and our software. It took us a little bit to get examples out into the universe of how we've helped clients. And so getting those stories out in a way that really resonates with people, it's not just a blog post about the top five ways to do X or Y. It's really distilling down how we've been able to support people in their growth as an investment advisor and how they've been able to help their clients growth. That's very special. And it took a little bit of time to get those stories back from clients. Um, definitely proud of that. I would say I'm also proud of the technology implementations that we've done. So when I started, there was a CRM, there was modest setup. There was um, an email provider in constant contact and like that was it. And where we are today, the progress we've made in three years is just light years. So we are now fully embroiled in HubSpot. I am a HubSpot evangelist at this point. Amazing. Um, we've embraced Salesforce. We're now onto account-based marketing. We're looking into predictive marketing tactics. So we're gonna be soon here, allowing a software to take, analyze our pipeline growth and look at the characteristics of prospects that we are winning with. And it's going to take look like audiences and start suggesting, hey, you need to go start selling to Joe Advisor in Michigan and Joe Advisor in Indiana because he's he looks just like your newest win. And so getting the technology in the mix is very new for me. It's hard to trust sometimes that a machine can do what I feel like I've learned to do over the last couple decades here. So putting faith in the system, embracing the system, knowing when to human, knowing when to computer for some of this is a little bit of a balance. But that that was definitely a huge focus to step into the modern. We're, you know, we're selling modern technology. I should be using modern technology. I think you just categorize the uh, one of the big challenges for marketers today, which is what you just said, which is when to human and when to machine, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, uh, I think, I feel like there's some of us that come with a bias towards one or the other, and we have to realize when our bias is taking us in the wrong direction. There's, I think a lot of us, a lot of us, especially probably the more experience you have, I almost think you probably lean a little bit more human because that's the way it's been done. And it's been like planted in your mind. This is the way to do it. And surely nobody can do that better than, than we can. 
Um, I know in the tech space, I, I feel like there is sometimes a bias towards tools. Oh, let's get a tool, a tool to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's tough and it's evolving. It's changing every year. There's new things coming out and you got to figure out where it is. I think oftentimes it's the answer is both. It's how do you have human aided or uh, machine aided uh, humans uh, in the front? And sometimes you try things and it's not as good as you thought and you realize it was just a really good salesperson that sold you on that tool, but uh, still got to try, right? Yeah. Um, and we're not selling widgets. So if I was selling widgets and it was a small transaction for a short sales cycle for a few dollars, totally different. If I was selling on Inst shoes on Instagram, I'd be approaching this very differently, but it's a complicated process. Uh, it's a fairly long sales cycle and it's super custom. Our, we're so flexible to work with any advisor that it, it takes a while to figure out exactly what they need and how we structure our solution for their structure. And so that's where I, I tend to revert to wanting to go human and not necessarily go computerized tools, but I'm changing my, my reflexes because I know to be a marketer and what will be 2030 here soon enough, I'm sure I, I'm going to need to embrace it. Yeah. And like, you just have to keep evaluating because again, the tools continue to change and how you use them just continues to change. It's something that we mm -hmm. have to all stay up on. Yep. Yeah. Um, the uh you mentioned this a little bit with some of the progress but over the past three years what do you think has been the most rewarding aspect of being on the geo wealth team i would say when i came on so we did our series a in late 2018 with which they hired me as a marketing function and built out the distribution team so really up until the point that i came on board it was very much um, organic growth through a lot of referrals and really the CEO and COO were the sales team were they were everything they were putting together decks. And so the massive amount of progress that has made been made in the last three years in terms of the sophistication and scale of how we are running, but also how the market is responding to us. So when I first started, no one really knew what GeoWealth was and that's okay. We we're the best kept secret. And we are no longer the best kept secret. We're starting to make noise in the right places in, in the industry and people are taking notice. Um, you know, it's one thing to tell people that you're modern and differentiated and you're better than the peers and that we're more purpose built for RAs and maybe some of the other solutions. We say it, but now finally people are understanding it, seeing it for themselves, hearing it from their peers, hearing it from some folks that have worked with us. So. That has been massively rewarding. And I know it's only gonna get better. We have awesome partners. Our PR team is incredible. Um, we feel like we're aligned exactly where we need to be at this point. That's great. Um, I can relate to the best kept secret. We've been called that ourselves. And I thought, oh, that's not, that's almost like a backhanded compliment. Like, <laughs> I take it as a compliment. Cause the other thing, you can only grow so fast. So yeah. we're, we're, we're exactly where we should be. Yeah. Um, can't let everybody open the floodgates at once. <laughs> it beats the alternative of everybody knowing that you're not great. So <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of those in all, yeah. all spaces. Yeah. Uh, what's your approach? I mean, do you feel like you have, you know, it sounds like the storytelling and some of your case stories have been really helpful. And I, I agree. It, it, it's really, um, it, it helps people, a story just helps people envision themselves as that person. And almost it creates a little bit of FOMO. Oh, they've done this and I haven't. Uh, do you feel like across the board, 
your messaging is you've got it to a buttoned up place with every different type of kind of customer segment you're talking to, or do you feel like it's still kind of this work in progress and it's something that probably needs to be corralled every uh, so, so often what, what's, what's your take on that? I think that we've done a fair amount. Um, there are new stories coming forward. So for example, um, we had one client that was really its own. We did write a case study about one client type. There was only one. And since then we've acquired three or four more that are kind of similar beasts. It's a larger strategic relationship. They're really serving as their own TAMP. We're powered by GeoWealth. And so we need to bring forward, you know, new versions of this type of dynamic because everyone's case is so unique. Just writing one case study about a certain client type isn't enough. There's so much more variety out there that we need to make sure other people are reading it and seeing themselves and seeing their, their business dynamic at play there. And I would say in general, there's a segment of the market that are potential breakaway advisors. So they're at Merrill Lynch, they're at Morgan Stanley, and they're used to having their own technology and their own investment suite offered by the shop that they're at. And maybe they want to break away and start their own firm. And that is an intimidating process for some of them. And it's kind of a secret process. You know, if you don't do it right, you could get sued by somebody and you can't steal client data. And there's all of these uh, broker protocols that need to be followed. So that group is a group that we're trying to speak to more and more. Um, they each have a unique story, unique circumstances. So really getting to different varieties of why does somebody start their own firm? How do you go about it? Um, what are potential pitfalls? We've got some stuff for that, but we need, we need more material speaking to that group. Yeah. This is a, I'm going to ask you a question that we sometimes debate about internally uh, just for the heck of it, but do you feel like there's marketing channels um, that you've used at GeoWealth or other, other gigs that you think are just, you're a big fan of? You think it's underrated, underappreciated, you're a big believer in it, it's always worked for you. Uh, and on the flip of that, do you feel there's others where it's like, you're tired of hearing that this is so great because you've tried it, tested it, it doesn't work at all. Any of those things come to mind in terms of marketing channels? I would say I have some skepticism towards a few different digital marketing channels. Um, I like to read the news. One of my hobbies is just pouring through Twitter, pouring through whatever newspaper du jour I'm focused on. And the amount of information available about ad fraud across all these different platforms just is always in the back of my mind as I'm looking at you know my Google display campaigns. I'm like, ooh, is this can I believe these numbers or is some of this inflated? And then every once in a while, they'll be like, oh, we revised your numbers down. We found some fraud and I'm like, see, I was right. So that's one that I'm always slightly skeptical of. I, I know that it's required. I know it's table stakes these days, but I have a little bit of grain of salt when I look at some of that stuff. Um, in terms of what works, People work the best. A person in front of a person, sometimes with a slide deck, really does the trick a lot of the time. If you can get in front of somebody, I that's the tale as old as time, ever since the dawn of people. What do, what do you react to? You react to another face. Um, the second you're in front of somebody who's maybe emailing you, you instantly enjoy your conversation with them for the most part. Um, so I never want to discount the sales guy in the field. Um, but besides that, 
I honestly love LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is working great for us, which that's where our, our target is. It's all about where are your folks? A lot of our folks are pouring through LinkedIn. They're looking to educate themselves on the industry, get an edge against other advisors, learn what other advisors are doing. So that's kind of where I'm finding a little bit of magic right now. Yeah. I mean, you guys have, have grown at a, a nice clip. Do you ever find yourself pulled into sort of the employer brand uh, side of the house as well and, and teaming up with HR or is that kind of live on its own and you're really just focused on customer acquisition and expansion or how does that work out? I'm all of it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm full, full shop. So we don't have HR. Um, I help with recruiting. I am the one step at a time. I am the brand. Um, so it's been an interesting challenge to have so many different voices. You're talking to so many different types of people, whether it's advisors, breakaways, and then, you know, we're looking at software developers and trying to speak to them. We're looking for traders. So there's all these different pools and obviously you want to be a little bit of something to everybody. It's hard to balance that. Um, but really that's all folded into my work. So anything that has a GeoWealth logo on it, I designed it. I helped write it in some way and I'm trying to be interesting from the HR perspective. But that's again, once somebody sits down with exactly how I interviewed, once somebody sits down and meets our team, they're like, wow, this is a great group of really high energy people that is focused on team. Like when we say teamwork, it's not just a buzzword. Like we are together every day working in harmony to advance what is gonna be our growth goals. And it's such a great group. And that's really what I try to get across in our employer branding. That's cool. That's exciting. Um, it sounds like you've got a good thing going and, and there's still a lot of room for growth as you look forward. Are there things that you're looking forward to or, or initiatives that you're excited to get more time to spend on? Yeah, I mean, the time is always the issue. There's so much stuff to want to do. And it's about picking what's high value, where should I, where should I put my time? So looking forward, I'm really trying to focus on like, what are the big, big things that are gonna make a difference? Um, so now that COVID's over, we're, we're back on the conference circuit. We're trying to do it bigger and better than we ever had. So that's something that's new. I went to Wellstack actually the other month of just meeting people that I had heard of or whose companies I've heard of. The second I sat down in front of them, I'm like, amazing. I love meeting people. Um, so there's that. Getting more of this predictive sales technology up and running is very exciting. And then just getting more long-form content out. We've been writing a lot of eBooks and they resonate with people. Um, I want to get more, more stuff out. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and not take on some of the bigger long form pieces and need to just kind of get back to that. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it's funny how, you know, the world is saying everything needs to be short, bite sized, but then every yeah. once in a while, you go the opposite direction and go long form and people appreciate that too. So yeah, sometimes like a 20 second clip, uh, it might get my attention, but it's not necessarily enough or I'm not necessarily have volume up on my phone. So I, I do when I sit down and I want to read something, I like to read something long form, get the whole get the whole story. Yeah, I agree. It's all about context and knowing uh, what's the right um, sort of message and touch point for each channel and the and, and where they're at, you know, are they, yeah. are they ready to sit down and spend time with it? Maybe, maybe not. And yeah, but man, it's, if you do get that, it's such a, to be able to spend quality time, that amount of duration, I mean, that really starts to plant people's minds. So it's a great goal. If you can, if you can uh, get people to do that, it sounds like you've mm -hmm. got people who are interested because 
you know, what you're basically offering is game changing for them if they buy into it and, yeah. uh, and make, make the decisions to make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes holistic technology solutions don't really lend themselves to like a four inch by four inch graphic. So I, I do have to lay up four pages upon someone on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's good though. That's good because they've probably got a lot of questions and, you know, this is, it's, it's, uh, uh, high gains, but it's also high stakes, right? Like they, this needs to go well for them. And so they yeah. want to make a good decision. Well, we're a big believer that most people, before they want to talk to somebody or before we should call upon them, they need to show intent, obviously. So we're focused on capturing that a lot from the technology side. And therefore, we're trying to give them as much as possible upfront. Let them shop, let them read as much as they possibly want to read. And then they'll probably want to go forward and have a conversation. If you catch somebody too early with a cold call, they're like, first of all, it's not the right time. I didn't ask for this. And I'm not quite sure yet. I'm still shopping. You know, let me keep poking around. So that's why I try to make as much available to people.